0: This is Called by God, stories of ordained women in the Anglican Diocese of Grafton. I'm Reverend Kathy Ridd, and welcome. Today, I'm in conversation with myself, which, I'll be honest with you, seems a little odd, but I am an ordained woman in the Diocese of Grafton, and so here is a little bit of my story. I'll begin with how I began to hear and respond to God's call to ordained ministry. And it actually starts quite early. I knew that God was calling me to something at at a fairly young age, I'd say probably around about 12. And as a Methodist in the early 1970s, my only frame of reference for women who did full-time ministry was missionaries. I mean, yes, I was aware of nuns, but they were Catholic as far as I was concerned, and so that wasn't an option. And even at that young age, I knew that God wasn't calling me actually to be a missionary, not in the sense of the ones that I'd read about or heard speaking. They were missionaries who went off to evangelise the heathen. And if I knew one thing about myself, it was that I was not called or gifted to evangelise in that kind of way. So I figured I was mishearing God or, quite honestly, I found it all a bit scary. So I suppressed that call from God and I suppressed it 40 years and it was when my husband Andy and I moved to this diocese from the UK we found ourselves in a wonderful Bible study group full of vibrant intelligent well-read people it was an amazing group and a few of the people in that study started telling me that they felt that I was called to ordained ministry And I laughed, I thought they were joking. But they kept saying it. And, you know, I respected these people. They are intelligent, wise, prayerful people. So I thought perhaps I should take them seriously. So I came up with an answer. I know, I thought, I'll become a licensed lay minister. That'll keep God and everybody else happy but God had more in mind. So in 2012, I went off to a Casillo weekend. I didn't particularly want to be there, but I soon found out that God wanted me to be there. Our spiritual director that weekend was the Reverend Lenore Moles. Now, At that point, I I reckon I'd only been in maybe three services where a woman was celebrating the Eucharist. And on the Saturday of that Casillo weekend, as we had communion, I sat and I watched Lenore at the altar celebrating and something broke inside me and I started to cry. I knew... That was where I needed to be, where Lenore was, at the altar, celebrating communion. It wasn't what I expected. In terms of all of the things that um, make up what a priest is and does, I would not have predicted that this would be the thing that actually was the tipping point for me, to know I needed to celebrate communion. But anyway... I went to see Lenore and I sat down with her and I said, how do you know if it's a call from God or if it's just in your own head? And she laughed and she said, that's the $64,000 question. And then she talked to me about the discernment process and explained that's why we have a discernment process, to tease out those things, to discern that it really is a call from God. And Lenore was so encouraging and so kind and didn't dismiss me, which I'd had in the back of my head that when I started telling people about this call from God, my first fear with every person I told them was that they would just start to laugh. And thanks be to God, they didn't. And so began my process of exploring my call and the period of discernment. There were challenges during that time. The first challenge was that the rector of the parish where I was worshipping at the time didn't support the ordination of women. It had been enough of a struggle to get him to give me a preaching gig as an LLM in the parish and I was never ever rostered to preach at the main church in our parish. So I knew that when I approached him I would be putting him in a really difficult position but the first step in exploring your call is to speak to your rector so off I had to go but I did know that in his heart he would want to say that I wasn't suitable for ordained ministry because I'm a woman however since he was in Grafton diocese he couldn't offer that as a reason against my ordination and so With no enthusiasm and fairly clear reluctance, he agreed to complete the paperwork and send it off to start the process of exploring my call. I have to say, it all took a very long time and required me to be very persistent to ensure that this actually finally happened. But it did, and so the process began of exploration and discernment The next challenge for me was study. I was working full-time as a regional manager of a disability employment service, so I wasn't sure how I was going to find the time to study without it taking me years and years to complete a Bachelor of Theology. But then I had the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy, which I grabbed. And so the day after I was made redundant. I began my full-time university study. I wanted to spend at least a year just cracking through as many subjects as I could to get a good start on that theology degree. I'd forgotten how much I loved study. I hadn't done any formal studies since I did my HSC many, many years earlier. And then at the end of that year came probably the biggest challenge of all. My husband, Andy, was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. And everything pretty much came to a halt while I cared for him. All my discernment panel meetings were put on hold. I did a tiny bit of study, but really couldn't manage very much. As time went on, caring for Andy became a more than full-time thing. Andy died just about 10 months after his diagnosis. And that was another challenge. But I have to say in amongst all of that, there were things that were life-giving. The study, well, not only did I love it, but I found it was somewhere I could go in my heart and in my mind that took me out of the everyday pain and grief and loss that we were going through as Andy's health deteriorated. So that was really life-giving. Another thing that was really life-giving was the pastoral care that we received from our parish who were amazing and from Bishop Sarah and Archdeacon Gail Hagen. Bishop Sarah and Archdeacon Gail really did challenge me because they put everything on hold while I was caring for Andy. And I really wasn't happy with that and let them know I wanted to continue with the discernment process. I wanted to continue full speed ahead. And I didn't really understand why they were discouraging me from doing that. It took a couple of years for me to be able to appreciate the the wisdom and the pastoral care in them making me pause. It stopped me from seeking to use ministry as an escape and it allowed me to sit in my grief and my pain and to discover the joy of God's presence even there. And I think this has made me a better priest. And so I am incredibly grateful to Bishop Sarah and Archdeacon Gale for their wisdom. Through that time of the discernment process and everything that was going on, my biggest supporter was my husband, Andy. In that first year when I was studying full-time, he took took on everything. He cooked, he cleaned, he shopped. He made me get up from my desk and go for a walk. He would take me to the beach to get a little break because, left to my own devices, I would have just sat at that desk and written essays for the entire year. He cared for me in such an amazing way and he was so positive, encouraging and excited about me pursuing this call to ordained ministry. Another big supporter was my dad. Dad was a man of great faith and while Andy was ill with motor neurone disease, my dad was also fighting cancer. But he in an incredibly self-sacrificial way, put his own stuff to one side to support me and Andy. Dad died in the end just three weeks after Andy did. And in our last conversation, when he was he was very weak and he could barely speak, he really wanted to know, had my discernment process started up again? And I was able to tell him that I had spoken to Bishop Sarah And the discernment process would be continuing. And he just smiled and kind of exhaled with relief that it was all still happening. Another big supporter was my dear friend Leone. Leone was a Uniting Church minister down in Melbourne. And we'd known each other since school. She'd tried to talk me out of becoming a priest. She told me in no uncertain terms about the realities of how hard ordained ministry is. But she also affirmed my call and was an amazing support through the whole discernment process. There were so many people who were my great supporters. I have to mention Sue and Al Shaw as well, who are just absolute rocks for me through all of this. When I think about the challenges for ordained women in the Anglican Church of Australia today. Of course, there are the issues with those dioceses which don't ordain women, and their growing control over parts of the Anglican Church of Australia. They have power, money, and big voices, and we really can't be complacent about their reach. But for me, I think one of the challenges that's very easy to overlook and it's a challenge not only in the church but also seems to be deeply ingrained in our culture is the language that we use to and about women. Fairly early on, I was placed in a new parish and they were fabulously encouraging and kind to this new priest but one of the parishioners, meaning well, told me good girl. That was not the only time I've been called girl in recent years and it really troubles me. At that time I was in my 50s. I'm now in my 60s. By no definition am I a girl and yet people still refer to grown adult women as girls. It's so ingrained in our language. I have noticed in recent years that in the world of sport they seem to be making a conscious effort to try not to refer to sports people as the men and the girls, but it's still there. I've heard women described as shrill. This language that's used about us infantilizes us, it minimises our voices and it minimises our authority. Quite honestly, though, coming to work in the Anglican Church was a bit like stepping back in time 40 years. 40 years ago, I was the first female computer programmer in my company. They didn't really know what to do with me and I had to fight a lot of battles. And so sometimes I've thought to myself, haven't I fought these fights before? Weren't they already won? How is this still going on? And I think it's important to recognise that it is still going on, that women still are not regarded with the same authority and respect that is afforded to male priests. People sometimes use the excuse that, well, a lot of our people in our congregations are older, but we've got to stop using that as an excuse. If you really stop and think about it, someone who is 80 right now was a young adult through the rise of women's liberation in the late 60s and the 1970s. It was their generation that was fighting for equality. So this stuff shouldn't be new or news for them. And we can't pander and just write it off as, well, they're older and they don't know any better. And if they really genuinely don't know any better, then it is our job to educate them. Now, back to the question that I always like to finish these interviews with, which is what gives me joy in my ministry? And actually, when I was thinking about this, I realised that every part of my ministry gives me joy. Not the administrative things that we have to do that underpin and um, allow governance of some of our ministry, but really every aspect of true ministry is joy-filled. I love it when God and I get creative with projects like this podcast. I love finding out what God is doing out in the community and going and joining in. It gives me such joy to go and find people who want to care for and love our community and say, how can we join in and support you in this? It might seem strange, but I get absolute joy From the privilege of accompanying people in some of the darkest and saddest and hardest times of their lives it truly is a joy and finally i get incredible joy in celebrating the eucharist my favorite part of the service is the invitation to communion the gifts of god for the people of god Every time I celebrate communion, my heart sings with delight as I get to say those words. So there's part of my story. Next time, I'm in conversation with Lenore Moles, who featured in my own story so significantly. I hope you can join me. Called by God is produced in the Diocese of Grafton as part of the celebration to mark the 30th anniversary of the ordination of women in the diocese. Produced and edited by the Reverend Cathy Ridd. Copyright 2023.